fellow travellers, welcome to podcast 110 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. You might remember that a few months ago, we went underground to talk about the delights of metros and subtes and the like around the world. This week, we're picking up that subterranean baton again to discuss the allure of caves and their many surprisingly different attractions for the traveller. Bats, bones, churches, cheese, and very weirdly named rock formations. Do you know where you have to go to see the Sala de los Culos, Simon? <laughs> uh, no, but I'm guessing quite possibly not Streatham where you are or um, Waterloo in London where I am. No, and uh, all really will be revealed in a minute. <laughs> Well, first, though, some Twitter updates. Um, I described last week's podcast in the following terms on Twitter. The new You Should Have Been There podcast is all about journeys with a mission, from following a football team to away fixtures in exotic locations like Swansea and Tirana, to self-constructed quests such as my 2020 Corona Curtain venture. This brought a a satirical response from someone tweeting as Christoph Lambie Pie saying, Swansea is very exotic. Thank you, Simon. Do you think your tweet's going to improve your popularity in Wales, Simon? <laughs> well, quite possibly. My naming Wales um, later on in this podcast as absolutely the UK capital of caving, I hope, might, uh, might improve um, uh, relations. Meanwhile, uh, Claudia tweets to say, we could add our trip to Skiathos to the mix of journeys with a mission. My son, an aviation geek, was determined to fly out of London City Airport. Of course, this is the very constrained Docklands Airport. And also to go to Skiathos to spend time watching planes landing. I can absolutely be with uh, Claudia's son there. It's a fascinating spectacle where they come in just feet from the beach and uh, touch down immediately. But Claudia also notes it also happened to be a nice family holiday, but it was all about the planes. Well, I feel obliged to um, give a shout out to Brian McBride. His tweet is as follows. Have now found out how to subscribe to these podcasts and I'm looking forward to listening to them all. Thank you. Oh, goodness. I wonder if he's going to uh, go and live in a cave for a while. I hope it's got good internet. <laughs> well, yes. Well, thank you, Brian, I say, for your vote of confidence and for spreading the word via Twitter, where you can find us at You Should Have BT. And uh, as you probably worked out from um, the opening lines of this podcast, there are 110 of them um, to get through. Well, on to today's main event, which uh, is caves. Not everyone's idea of a holiday excursion, I admit. There's the damp, the chill, the claustrophobia, but they are filled with all kinds of wonders created by nature and by us humans. Many, many years ago, Simon and I interrupted our trek along the Pyrenees from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean to plunge beneath the mountains on a visit to the caves of Gargas in the uh, French Béarn region. Romy, we go inside the cave. Thank you. Oh, very dark. 
Well, I was on my way to join the stretch of the GR10 that goes through the Ariège, but I stopped off at the Caves of Gargas to find out more about the first people to live in the mountains, with the assistance of local historian Johan Rumo. When tourists visit the caves, we switch from the light. But um, <laughs> today, uh, I will guide you with only a torch, you know, because I think it's most, most interesting to, to, to have the atmosphere of prehistoric time. 25,000 years ago, Cro-Magnon man lived above ground, but the caves were their connection with the world of the spirit, their churches and their art galleries. The walls of the two caves are lined with paintings and engravings, oxen, horses, ibexes, even a few mammoths. But what's made Gargas famous is a whole wall covered in stencils of hands, though these are no ordinary hands and they were painted in an unusual way too. The men put the hand on the wall and blown the paint all around, uh, like this, you know. So he put the, the, the powder in his mouth, powder of iron oxide or red ants or manganese for black ones, and uh, blown it around the hand put on the wall. So when he take off the hand, the print, the stencil, stay on the wall. Now. That looks clearly like a hand, but there, there seem to be parts of some fingers missing. Yes, archaeologists think that the man put the back of the hand on the wall and bent the finger. Each kind of bending the fingers represents an animal. A bit like those hand shadow games we played as children and almost certainly connected with the symbolism of hunting. Ah, I remember it well. And I think there were several theories around at the time about those hands or the stencils of the hands. Some um, archaeologists had suggested they were the result of some kind of ritual mutilation. Hmm. Others that it was some sort of pathology. But I think the best one is that they were, um, as you graphically put it, a kind of shadow puppetry. What worried me, Mick, listening back to that, was the life expectancy of the people who had dye in their mouths um, containing things like manganese, which they would blow to create the work of art. Um, that could explain why they did tend to die young in those days. But there's quite a few to choose from in France, aren't there? Yes, it's very well off for caves, not just uh, in the sort of Pyrenean uh, area, but also uh, in the Ardèche. I, I remember going to one called Grotte de la Madeleine in the uh, 80s um, and uh, marvelling at the stalactites and stalagmites. And then very close to that site the, in the 1990s, uh, some um, wandering speleologists discovered another cave, which was named after one of them, uh, Chauvet uh, at uh, Vallon-Pont-d'Arc, which is the very uh, interesting little town on the uh, on the river Ardèche. And this is apparently the cave visitor's cave in, in, in France. It's got amazing um, depictions of animals and the same hands that uh, we saw. And of course, the uh, usual um, incredible rock formations. Unfortunately, as soon as this was discovered, it was closed and a recreation <laughs> of it has been made next door, which has actually happened in um, several other 
big deal caves like uh, Lascaux, also in France, and Altamira in uh, in Spain. And because the uh, volume of visitors who are attracted do so much damage to the amazing interior of the cave, I don't know whether through the hot breath or what, that the uh, experts have uh, decreed that they cannot continue as, as, as visitor attractions because they will be completely destroyed. Well, uh, that's go, uh, which you mentioned in the Dordogne, a gorgeous part of the world to be in. And yes, everything has been very scientifically reproduced next door. Um, they they uh, are very proud of the work that they have done at, would you believe, the Perigordian Facsimiles Workshop. Uh, the atmosphere is that of a real cave, they boast. It is dark and humid with muted sounds. There we are. Um, of course, we we are all in favour of the preservation of uh, great cultural works, but it is a shame. And uh, uh, the, the presence of humanity in a cave, I find, does wonders to your um, enjoyment of it because actually is it is it a little unfair to say that if you've just got a cave full of stalactites and stalagmites um they do all kind of slightly blend into one another um in in the memory if not uh, geologically well i think that's a very fair point i mean quite clearly uh, the success of many caves is uh, as much a triumph of uh, of marketing lighting and giving good names to the various uh, rooms of the yes. cave and indeed the extraordinary rock formations you find in them um, as as it is to uh, anything else um. Yes, here's Napoleon's visage, here's a frog, here's all sorts of um, uh, imagined things. Um, and I, all the way from, from uh, Cuba to Mallorca, I've been on tourist day trips. And yes, they are a bit samey, I'm afraid. But can I, can I uh, big up the uh, British Overseas Territory of Gibraltar? for being not like the others ah. uh, in two senses. First of all, St. Michael's Cave, which is a show cave in the traditional sense. You wander down uh, the, the, the into this cave and they say, oh, they show China. it's quite well lit. And they, they say, uh, just use your imagination and, um, and look at all these wild and wonderful shapes. But it's also a shave cave show cave in the sense that they put on shows there so it's ah. a proper auditorium and you can go and listen to classical music or all sorts of things in a cave where obviously you've got very special acoustics and the other one is Gorham's cave which is actually facing out into the Mediterranean on the east side of the rock um the rock of Gibraltar is just completely hollow um it looks as though it could collapse any moment there's so much um, natural and human intervention there but uh, there the archaeologists think that this could have been the last refuge of the entire species of neanderthals um, now on the unesco world heritage list very difficult to visit itself but there's loads of um uh explanations about it um at the uh, gibraltar museum on a more frivolous attack, um, I'd just like to uh, remind you of the, uh, I suppose it's the cheekiest bit of cave naming that uh, I've come upon. Uh, I haven't visited these caves myself, but uh, they're called the Grutas or Gruta de las Maravillas uh -huh. uh, in the very lovely um, mountainous uh, area of southern Spain, uh, La Sierra de uh, Aracena, 
which is kind of west of uh, of Seville. And uh, inside these caves, there is a room, a sala, which is called La Sala uh, de los Culos, oh. uh, which, of course, uh, you will uh, recognize immediately means the um, the 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 room of the bums um and aided um by um appropriately colored uh, pink and orangey sort of lights you can see um a uh, whole array of uh, posteriors if you go to visit that cave <laughs> Sounds, sounds very good. Oh, and before we move on from show caves, I would just like to mention the ATM caves in Belize, which uh, sounds like a good wheeze for parting you from your money, but actually stands for Actun Tumichil Muknal, which is um, Cave of the Stone Sepulchre, which, as, as its name hints at, is, is a place where you can discover um, Mayan relics and uh, skeletons which have been crystallised in a most extraordinary way. Um, but getting there or getting through it is a bit of a serious adventure. It's not just a kind of um, rock up in your, uh, uh, your shorts and um, flip-flops. This involves crossing rivers on rope bridges, so you'd enjoy <laughs> that, Simon, squeezing through extremely narrow gaps um, and indeed swimming as well to uh, get through this thing. So uh, a, proper, a proper expedition, but it is claimed uh, the most popular excursion in in belize well i I will take their word for it um caves of course are used for important purposes and i'm going to take you to the loire valley of france mick because i found some really interesting uses for caves if you um for instance were in the uh fine small town of montsoreau um you can just wander west from there along the river and you'll see a sign saying trog and that's short for troglodytes uh, and you find a cliff which i it, i've i've made my notes at the time saying this is a shopping mall for the flintstones and it's a, a <laughs> sequence of caves and they've been adapted by artists and craftspeople um to sell their wares then you can um carry further on around um so Moor, of course, well known for its uh, uh, lovely sparkling wine in particular, uh, and the limestone that they used to build Westminster Abbey. But it's also the hub of mushroom production in France. And you can go into the caves where they house the Musée du Champignon um, any day of the week. Um, there's also uh, potteries, distilleries, restaurants in some of these. But even better, if you go... Um, uh, to the village of Tru, um, which is on the north bank of the uh, Loire without an E. Um, is that different in pronunciation, Mick? Uh, I think one's a bit more Loire, <laughs> the other one's okay. a bit less Loire. <laughs> anyway, well, it, it, you, you think, well, this is nice. Um, uh, Riverbank, um, hilltop church, um, all sorts of cottages. But this, a lot of the residents are actually housed in caverns that are just the right size to live in and if anybody can remember the hobbit i honestly thought that i had stumbled upon hobbiton and yes they they, they, they are um sometimes difficult to find some of them have very fancy front doors um but but you will see a couple of uh, windows that provides the only natural 
light and life inside and i went and um, had a look inside uh it, it absolutely peaceful nights of course very very quiet I, th- I think the hobbit had the right idea and can you rent them as, as as a tourist do you know i'm sure you can i haven't um i haven't looked on things such as airbnb but uh yeah were i the owner of a a a residential cave i would certainly be uh, looking to rent it out well i can assure you that um in uh guadix yes. uh, around guadix in in southern spain uh, they are certainly ahead of the game and uh guadix is very famous for its uh its troglodyte dwellers and of course the caves used to be the uh the home of the um the poorest people in society ah. but some of these have been um done up uh, in the most extravagant uh, fashion and are available on airbnb and i'm sure um other internet sites <laughs> and uh, and there are even swimming pools which seems <laughs> absolutely extraordinary uh, well, but uh, uh, <laughs> other other species of course um occupy caves um i'm particularly fond of the uh, the bat caves that you can visit in parts of Thailand, uh, where there are a million of these creatures, uh, very exciting. But you're, you're better generally at wildlife than I am, Mick. I, I, I take my hat off to you. What, what have you discovered beneath the ground? Well, first of all, I'd like to just go back to the food in caves because uh, the Roquefort ah. uh, caves are absolutely worth uh, worth taking a guided tour around with, of course, um, um, plentiful um, uh, uh, opportunities to taste the delicious cheese. But on the subject of um, um, beasts and caves, uh, there is a cave called the Cueva del Gato in southern Spain near Ronda, Mm -hmm. uh, where there is an incredible population of uh, alpine swifts, which are like normal swifts, except they're about twice the size. And so when these things come hurtling out of the the cave, it really is... um, quite an exciting and even um, uh, scary uh, experience. But nothing for me beats the bat experience of the Yucatan Peninsula in southern Mexico. (laughs) I was staying with my family in a jungly kind of hotel with uh, thatched uh, huts uh, near Spuhil, Ispuhil uh, in in southern Mexico. And uh, the owner said, you really must go and see the caves, the Cueva de Sots. Uh, so um, we were taken by car a few miles along the Carretera 186 um, and it, exactly half an hour before sunset, we parked um, beside the road with a few other uh, people and uh, and wandered uh, half a mile inland and uh, stood there waiting. And then suddenly, um, as the sun set, an absolute cauldron a volcano a kind of maelstrom of bats emerged from this cave and carried on coming out and coming out and coming out there are millions of these things i think eight different species have (laughs) have been catalogued and uh uh, they most of them fly upwards and away um to go and search for fruit or insects depending on what their uh, favorite supper is but quite a lot of them come flying um straight through the trees um towards you and then at the last millisecond they uh, their radar senses <laughs> that uh, there's a gringo there or a tree and they change direction it really is a most incredible <laughs> experience <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Um, well, that's that's nature for you. But uh, there's an awful lot of creativity that has gone into um, making the most of underground spaces. Of course, mines were originally dug in order to get anything from, from coal to gold out of the uh, earth. But many of those have been turned into tourist attractions. And can I take you to Potosí, which claims to be the world's highest city? It's in Bolivia. Um, if you go even higher above it, just outside is Cerro Rico. And this is a mountain that the Spanish thought for a time was solid wow. silver. And it is said that 8 million people died trying to, uh, well, effectively enslaved by the uh, colonials, uh, colonialists and trying to find the silver um and there's still a few uh hundred people who work the mines trying to find uh, uh the, the odd scraps of silver and then it's become a tour as well and you are instructed uh, we've covered this before to chew coca leaves um in order to well relieve the twin anxieties of claustrophobia and in my case uh, vertigo yeah. because you are kind of skirting at the edges of um a hundred meter holes it's it's terrifying but very very engaging well it's it's, it's odd to get vertigo underground but i do see <laughs> what you mean but you know we have missed out i think one of the uh main uh reasons that uh caves have been um used and colonized by humans and which was certainly mentioned in the uh little recording that we had from the caves of gargas which was religion um and i don't know if you know about this but i think possibly mm. the most extraordinary underground thing i've ever visited um is uh in Obertaire, oh, which yes. is an extremely pretty it's one of france's plus beau village or plus joli village uh, it's in the uh, charente region of of, of france uh, and uh, in Aubertaire, apart from these very pretty uh, houses in uh, white, uh, is it limestone? I'm not sure. Um, there's this church, uh, which is Saint-Jean-Dite-Monolithe, which is Saint-Jean <laughs> called the monolith, and it's entirely underground. It was tunnelled out from the top down um, somewhere between the 7th and the 12th century and it is actually a huge and functioning church it's 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 it, it is quite incredible how did they do it i do not know it's a uh, 20 meters high uh which <laughs> is pretty good going um and uh, there's this incredible thing in the middle a reliquary which uh, is about six meters high which is extremely pretty and, and which was there to house relics, presumably um, parts of saints. Well, I'm going to take you on a, a, a spiritual tour of a couple of other possibilities. I'm not going to include the astonishing rock-hewn churches of Lalibela because although they are where, where it used to be underground, effectively what they did was dig down and around these things, so there is daylight Where's there. that? But uh, Lalibela in Ethiopia. Ah, right. um, there's eleven, and it was it, it was created, I think, in the 13th century as a as a new Jerusalem. Uh, that was the idea. These churches are just in a fairly random uh, corner of Ethiopia, um, and, and and are quite spectacular. You're allowed to go and visit them. Uh, wear long socks is all I would say, because they've got carpets everywhere, and the carpets have a 
massive population of fleas. Indeed, I'm scratching now in, in memory of that. But I'm also going to give you a pair of salt cathedrals. Now, if you're mining salt, you find an area which is pretty solid sodium chloride and you just start digging. But in both Zipiquira in Colombia and also just outside Krakow in, I'm going to say, the uh, Vilichka uh, salt mine, forgive me if um, I haven't pronounced it correctly, you can see how the miners thought, well, we're, we're doing all this digging. We might as well make something fancy as well. And so they've created actual churches which are big enough to have church services and they are all um, hollowed out lumps of salt it's a, a marvelous thing and of course much more engrossing i find than just your standard stalagmite stalactite uh, natural cave you know we have so far neglected the uh, uk's caves so maybe um, a quick tour of them what's your favorite i'm going to take you to wales because there are all manner of mines that have been spectacularly created you can play underground golf you can go on a zip wire you can uh, take a trip down in the big pit national coal museum in the fascinating uh, industrial relic of blynavon and uh, see what life was like for miners um everywhere in wales you are never more than let's say 10 miles from some great under underground world well, I suppose Wookie Hole in uh, Somerset is the best known, although I've I've never been there because I've driven past it a few times and been actually put off by the uh, large and gaudy signs um, inviting me in. Uh, have you ever tried that out? No, I have been to um, the, the Blue John Cavern, which is uh, uh, one of the many caves in the Peak District, and yeah, I think I think they may have kind of peaked a bit too early, <laughs> if I may. Uh, there's quite a lot of cave competition. Uh, I think the Peak Cavern is described as the only true cave in Castleton. There we are. It's getting a bit niche. <laughs> well, there is the Gaping Gill Cave, which is Ooh. claimed to have the largest underground cave chamber in Britain, and that is um, in North Yorkshire. Uh, but that is quite difficult to get to because it's only open to the public a couple of times a year, and that is because uh, local caving clubs provide a winch to allow members of the public to be lowered down the shaft and then later, one hopes, winched out again. So I think I might give that a miss, but it does sound quite exciting. And then, of course, possibly the most exciting um, man-made one, uh, the Hellfire Club of uh, Ooh, yeah. West Wickham, which, again, I haven't been to, but uh, I think the uh, uh, incredible goings-on there will probably warrant a visit where Francis Dashwood and various luminaries of 18th century society uh, formed a club, the Hellfire Club, whose motto was, do what thou wilt. Fais ce que tu voudras. And uh, what thou wilt included uh, pagan going on satanic rituals of various kinds. And that apparently is a really good day out. Well, the, the most uh, exciting thing I've done, um, not related to pagan rituals, and we've got to give a shout out to the uh, cenotes in in Mexico's oh, gosh, Yucatan yes. Peninsula. Uh, these are effectively massive sinkholes um, where the limestone has just collapsed into the earth. They've been filled with the freshest, coolest, clearest water filtered through the limestone. And you can now 
make a splash, uh, swim around. It is the most joyful way to escape the heat of a uh, hot afternoon in the Yucatan Peninsula. Ah, well, I'm certainly with you on that one. But it's time for us to leave this podcast and to emerge blinking into the sunlight. Um, Simon, what about next week? Of course, we'd love to hear about your underground adventures. You can tweet us at you should have BT or leave an audio message at uh, anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and that's also the best destination for recommendations for next week's topic rooms with a view where have you been where each morning you've opened the curtains and just been astonished or indeed appalled do let us know so until next week from me mick webb and me simon calder goodbye goodbye goodbye